Welcome to the Awakened Man Podcast, where we promulgate that your physical, psychological, and financial health are your true sources of wealth that must be safeguarded and optimized to achieve long-lasting happiness. Here, we'll discuss tactics on how you may self-actualize to reach the pinnacle of authentic masculinity by embracing true libertarian principles, arming yourself with red pill knowledge, as well as implementing the most up-to-date holistic health biohacks to optimize your health. Stop being a blue pill sheep, being led to slaughter by big government and the court system. Become an awakened man. Here's your host, Gregory. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory, and welcome back to another episode of The Awakened Man. I hope you're doing well today. Today, we're going to talk about Netflix's show, Bridgerton. Now, some of you guys are going to be like, Gregory, I don't watch that sappy period, period piece, Downton Abbey wannabe show. I hear you. Now, I'm not necessarily telling you to watch this show, but I'm telling you that there's a lot of nuggets of truth in this show. And for that reason, you might want to give it a look. Now, if you're not familiar with Bridgerton, season two dropped about a week ago, and it's based on some books. It really doesn't matter. So season one, uh, there's eight kids. So season one was the debut of Daphne Bridgerton, who's played by an attractive British actress by the name of Phoebe D'Ambour. She kind of has that typical ingenue, pale skin, blue eyes. She's attractive. I find I find that kind of look attractive, that kind of Kira Knightley, super pale look. And the the show is based on books, and it takes place in the 1810s in England. So kind of think of a contemporary would be the Jane Austen novels like Pride and Prejudice, Sense and Sensibility, or if you've seen those movies. So that's the kind of world that we're in. And season two, season one's about her being debuted back when girls were debuted. And, and it was all about finding a man to marry them. And season two is about her eldest brother, the Viscount, having to take up the responsibility in finding a wife. Because in season one, he's kind of a, a rake, a player. Because you know, the Bridgerton family is very wealthy. So... The reason I think this show is fascinating and the reason I like this show is because I am a lover of history and I do love period movies. I used to love the Merchant Ivory movies like Remains of the Day and 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 Howard's End and all these things. And I did like Downton Abbey. It's just anything history I, I kind of like. But the reason I want to do an episode on this is because it demonstrates how much has changed. And I wouldn't even say how much has changed in 200 years. But really, you could, you could say that the, the Bridgerton worldview was a worldview that we really had in the West, really, I would tell you, certainly into the 1920s. The 1920s is when you saw the first spike of promiscuity. And it's not necessarily because of alcohol, but really it's because it was the rise of the automobile that allowed girls to leave their the protection of their parents and go take on drives with their boyfriends and then lose their virginity there. But there was definitely a spike in the 1920s with a looser morality. You kind of see this in Great Gatsby, for example. And then certainly, of course, the, the gigantic bump would be the sexual revolution of the late 60s. But even in the 50s, you would see that most girls were virgins. But so let's talk about Bridgerton and some of the things that I think are very refreshing to see and kind of things that we as men can lament. So in 1810 Bridgerton, Daphne's debuted, and the understanding 
was that all girls were virgins. And the reason why Bridgerton, I think, does a good job of reminding you this is because they do talk about it. And it's amazing to see like what scenarios a, a woman can put herself in that would tarnish her reputation. And just think how different it is compared to today. So for example, the, the love interest that she eventually gets with is this cad who's the Duke, who's, you know, this is a Shonda Rhyme show, so she does blind casting. So the Duke is a black guy in season two, the love interests are Indian women, you know, it's just such nonsense. But because of course there were tons of Indians and blacks in Regency England in the upper class, but you know, whatever. But either way, they're talking in they're, they're talking in a garden at a ball. In, in the dark, in the garden, talking. And they even say, if anybody comes out here and sees us talking, my reputation will be compromised. So even little things like being in a garden at night with a man can lower a woman's sexual market value. So a woman's SMV, some of it is still the same. Of course, it's gonna be beauty and youth and certainly virtue was played up there. But back then, anything that would even intimate that you're not a virgin, your SMV would drop, therefore your marriageability would drop. So like with Daphne Bridgerton, she comes from a wealthy family and uh, she is the, the queen, the, as they call it, the diamond of the year. You know, every season they debut, like debutante balls. So she's debuted and she's beautiful and she comes from a good family and so forth. And I'm not gonna ruin plot points, but her reputation is tarnished in different ways. But it is, it is fascinating to see like <laughs> how just being alone with a man talking will ruin her reputation. And therefore, the most eligible men, the Viscounts, the Dukes, the Princes, wouldn't touch her because of the thought that maybe she was doing something inappropriate in a garden. There is a character who is later uh, revealed in season one who is pregnant from a rake. And she's pregnant. She's young, beautiful, but she's pregnant. No man is going to touch her. No man is going to touch her because she's already been taken. So some women would see this kind of Bridgerton view as you know com completely antiquated and primordial in that men expected their women to be virgins. And if they weren't virgins, they'd be discarded. That was the way it was in all of human history. Any culture, any century Nay, to use, to use Shakespeare, nay, any millennia, this was the rule. Men did not want to be with women who were sullied. Now, we're talking about high-level men of, you know, if you were sullied like this pregnant girl, the baker would probably take you on or some simp, 19th century simp, would take you on. But we're talking about high SMB men who have options would not take you on if your reputation was sullied. And it's fascinating, too, because there's situations where, like, people are caught talking or if you were caught kissing somebody, you had to marry. You had to marry. Obviously, if you had sex with somebody, you would marry. But even if you were caught kissing, like you were, you, you, were, you found some woman attractive, you were a duke, and you were in another room at the ball or, or somewhere, and you were kissing, and they saw you, boom, you had to get married immediately. It's, like, mind-blowing. And of course, there was no cohabitation. I mean, no way. None is. All this was seen as seemly. The men's reputation would drop. Therefore, the family's reputation would drop. And certainly the woman's reputation would drop. And you see this played out 
in season one where Anthony, the, the lead, the oldest brother, he's having a relationship with an opera singer. Like there's no concept that he would marry the opera singer because that would bring ruin and scandal to his family. And nowadays, of course, you see men marrying strippers and the family's like, well, oh, we don't care, oh, whatever. I mean, there's no standards. So that's one thing, but going, let's go back to SMV. So I love, it's just pure, raw SMV played out in this show. And this is the way it was. So what is the female's SMV all about? Obviously what we, we talk about here, youth and beauty. So like if you're ugly and 20, all right, that's great. Or if you're fat and ugly and 20 in Bridgerton world, you're just not gonna get the high-end rich men. Doesn't mean you won't be paired off because this was not the days of open hypergamy. The fat women would be paired off with the lower level cast, lower gentry men or the uglier, uh, older men, like the 50-year-old widower and all these things. But everybody would eventually be paired off more often than not. I mean, there would be some spinsters, but more often than not, it, it, you would be married off. But with the women, it was simple. Like in season two, Kate, the main lady, she's considered a spinster because she's 26, 26. And again, some of the women hearing this would be, oh, this is offensive, da, da, da. But this is the way it was, right? We debuted women at 16, 17. And why do we debut them? So they could find a man who would marry them because their whole job was to get married, have children, and be virtuous, right? Be virtuous. And you pick any century, if the woman that you married was not virtuous and she was caught, she'd be disowned, divorced, wouldn't get the kids, be kicked out in the streets. We've talked about this in an episode not that long ago. What was the man's SMV? Man's SMV is what we know it's always been. Wealth. And a little with the looks. But you see, Anthony is the eldest brother of Daphne. Since their father died, he's in charge of picking the... Uh, future husband for her. And so you see like in episode one where they go to the ball, the one she's debuted, he's like, no, he's not rich enough. No, he's only a, a, you know, a lord and not a duke or a prince. No, this guy's too, too uh, you know, strange. He has a reputation of being a homosexual. You know, he points all these things out because his job is to pick the best person. Now, from the, from the we'll talk about this in arranged marriages. But in general, you see in this played out, like the, the guy that Daphne ends up with is a duke, the black guy. Now a duke is higher than a viscount. And they talk about this. Well, why, why settle for a viscount if you can get a duke? And then a prince shows up. And it's like, why settle for a duke if you can get a prince? So it was all just straight out pure raw SMV. What makes a, a, a man attractive in, in this world or any century, you could say 17th century, 16th century France, 15th century Italy, whatever, money. If he's good looking, all right, but money. And then, you know, was he a gentleman? What did he have good character? But of course it was understood all these dudes would have mistresses on the side and the, and the wife would turn a blind eye, and, you know, do nothing about it because she didn't really have any power. So that's one thing to, to watch in this. It's just the honesty of SMV played out. The other thing I want to talk about is just arranged marriages. I kind of talked about it like this. It was normal, like, and it makes sense. Like, why are we going to allow two hormonal 18 year olds to decide who they're going to marry? So you see this in, in the, uh, in the show, how they talk about other characters who ran off with somebody, married the baker's son, and then the family disowned them. The, the wife's, uh, the girl's family disowned her because why it brought shame to the family. 
So you see Daphne kind of lament about this. It's like, you know, my whole life, you know, my 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 partner is going to be chosen for me. I have no say. And back then, remember, marriage was all about, and this is one of the arguments that gets homosexual marriage, is all about setting uh, a framework for the procreation and proper raising of children. It also had to do with property rights and inheritance rights and, and mingling of good families and all these things. It was not done as love. If you learn to love the person, then it was considered a love match, and that was kind of cherry on top kind of thing. It was better, you know, but it wasn't expected. So there's a part in season one where Anthony, her older brother, is like, I found a guy for you, and, and he, he just says it. He's got money, and he's got a high nobility, and he comes from good family, and to be a good merging of our families. And Daphne's like, I don't like this guy, because this guy's like really kind of incel ugly, maybe 35 years old, and she's like, well, I don't know, 17, 18. That was normal, though, marrying older men to younger women. But she's like, I don't like this guy. He's ugly. And he's like, I don't care. This is the choice. And the woman didn't really have a choice because you just had to do what was expected of you, of, of, of the high nobility family. But arranged, arranged marriages make sense because it's like the family knows what's important. You as an 18-year-old hormonal teenager don't know anything. And if you look back at your own experiences... You know, when you, when you married and you maybe met your girlfriend when she was 18, 19, when you guys were 20, and you look back, it's like, God, we had nothing in common. Why did I choose her? She had so many red flags. Or any women that are listening to this, you felt the same way. It doesn't make sense, right? Arranged marriages do make sense. And you have to, and look, the other thing is, in this time, people married forever. There was no divorce. It was exceedingly rare. So you you learned to fall in love with each other. You understood what marriage was for. It's for children. The women understand I'm just going to be the best wife I can be. Hopefully I get along with them. And hopefully, you know, he's not a, a horrible scoundrel or abusive. And if he was, you know, unfortunately, you had to just take, as we say in the Catholic world, take up your cross and deal with it. But that that was the way. And, and look, there'd be times where the men would marry a woman because her, and you see this with kings played out like Henry VIII. You know, they would marry a woman who was not that attractive, but they had to do it because she came from really good royal lines. It would solidify this kingdom. Like think of Ferdinand and Isabel uniting Spain. And so the, 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 the man would be like, I don't find this woman attractive, but I'm going to do my royal duty, marry her, put some kids in her, but I'm still going to have my mistresses on the side. So arranged marriages made sense. And you see kind of like, you don't really see arranged marriages anymore, but you see the honor killings that you still see in some, some Muslim societies where if a girl loses her virginity, or if a girl brings scandal to the family, what would they do? Throw acid on her face, kill her, and the, and the family would, would not be found guilty because you were bringing dishonor to the family, and that was important. And so there were repercussions for a, a girl fornicating, right? And, of course, there's double standards because, you know, are there repercussions for a, a guy going to a brothel? Not really. But, you know, it was a different world, and I'm certainly not condoning honor killings, but I'm just saying how it was a different world. So you see the arranged marriage thing kind of play out in Bridgerton. The third thing I would see played out is mate guarding, right? So if, if you watch this show, you see like women are not allowed to walk alone. And they even bring it out. They even talk about it. It's like you can't go walk alone. We have to promenade together. You always have to have a man with you, either your, your father or a brother or a governess or somebody that's walking with you in public. Always. And we would call this mate guarding. And in America and the West, mate guarding's gone. It's lost forever, right? These girls go to part. I mean, just go watch Euphoria, for Christ's sake. 
or any show, right? We have teenage girls going to parties completely unaccompanied and unattended. But you still see mate guarding played out like in the Muslim world, right? They don't allow their wives to go anywhere without a man accompanying them. The women are still covered many times, depending on what Muslim society we're talking about. Because the men understood it, right? You have to protect your women, you have to protect their assets, and you don't want to be cuckolded or you know anything like that. So mate guarding was played out big time. And I've even mentioned it, like my mom, when she was dating, she was from Mexico in, in the 50s when she was dating, she was chaperoned all the time. And you still see this played out in the West really up into the 60s where girls were chaperoned. You want to go on a date? All right, someone's going with you. And you still see some people do it nowadays. Like I knew some Mormons who did this. Like they would, you know, you want to go out on a date? Yeah, I'm going to be with you at the movie theater and sitting one row behind you. Or if you want to go on a date, yeah, you can't do it until you're 18. Stuff like that. So you kind of see it in some of the more conservative cultures here in America. But as a whole, mate guarding is, is gone. Right? The idea of, of, of you can't go out in public unless a man's there to watch over you. And, and, and why? Again, so the woman will be like, oh, that's controlling. No, it's to protect your reputation because your reputation and your chastity and your virtue is really all that a woman had. Now, yes, beauty was important. But if you lost your reputation, you would not marry well. So these are some of the things that you see played out on this show. So then you compare the Bridgerton world or, you know, whatever show you want to talk about. Downton Abbey kind of played this to a certain extent. Look, and I'm not saying there weren't women that were unchaste, there weren't wives having affairs, men having affairs. And that's mentioned at the end of Bridgerton season one where Daphne marries a duke and she goes to this party with other wives. And... She's in love with the Duke, but some of the wives are like, oh, you know, my husband's a general and he's always gone. And that means we can have fun. Wink, wink. And certainly there were wives having affairs and you could definitely get away with it back then uh, because there was no DNA. And that happened. Look, I'm not saying that the women were perfect. But what I'm saying is when you look at when you look at what a man was wanting in a wife then and what with the expectation it's like night and day. I might as well be living in on Venus with the Venusians. What we used to have in Bridgerton, uh, illustrated in Bridgerton, what we have now. How many men married virgins? Do we even give the idea of, of a woman having to be virtuous? Now, some men here, of course, are still looking for that. But let's look at the typical generic secular dating milieu, Tinder. Right? Look at Tinder. Look at the Tinder cesspool. <coughs> Those women have been riding the COCK carousel forever. They're damaged. They have tattoos. They're overweight. They've had multiple sexual partners. They have STDs. You know, 50% of, of Americans have STDs. Yet there's men who would marry these women because I, they don't think it's strange. Like marrying a virgin, da, da, da. But most men, if given the choice, of course would marry virgins. I mean, I think most men who would marry today would be like, I'd just be happy if she only had like three partners. So you look at Bridgerton and you juxtapose it to the world that we live in today. And it's just like, God, I wish I lived in that world. And even if you were lower class, like you know, Dickens, Dickensian England at the time, the expectation in the middle class and lower class is that when a girl got married, she was a virgin. Remember, back in those days, they would have to show the sheet of the next morning to demonstrate that there was blood to demonstrate her cherry was popped. And if there was no blood, she was in trouble and that marriage could be annulled. 
It was the expectation that the woman be a virgin. Now, you could say it was a double standard, but understand, I mean, we kind of know this instinctually. The woman is the receiver of the seed. She's the receiver of the act. Men don't want to be inside of a woman or marry a woman who's been sullied by other men. Whereas the man is the distributor in the sexual act. Women are the receivers. So, I mean, some of that has to do with that. But either way, it's, it's a sad thing to see how the world is now and what our expectations are now compared to the way it used to be, not just 200 years ago in Regency England, but in every century of every millennia of every culture pretty much in the world. That was the expectation is virginity is prized, virtue is prized, and let's face it, for you guys, money is prized. So these women who were beautiful in 1718 and came from 1718 years old, 20 years old, and came from good families. If you were not rich, sorry, you'd be passed up. So we all still have this wired in us. What do men want? Youth, beauty, virtue. What do women want? Provisioning, hypergamy, proposed law, these kind of things. So that hasn't changed. Now we've kind of put trappings over it, but that still has is the way that we're wired. So for you guys, Again, if you're wanting to get married, you need to elevate your sexual market value and the number one way to do it. And I would say it's easier for men than women because if a woman be old or if a woman be fat, there's not much she can really do about it, especially the old part. Uh, but for you men, we can change our SMB, right? You can get in shape, which is important. Look, I'm not saying that women don't look at that even back in Regency England, but really it's all about wealth. It's all about wealth. So there's things you can do. You can change your career. You can invest better or whatever. So these are things you can change. And this is one of the reasons we have that old adage that I didn't come up with. But that women age like spoiled milk, men age like fine wine, is because you can look at people like Brad Pitt. You know, you can look at men who are in their 40s or 50s who have a lot of money, and there's women that would date them in a second or marry them in a second. Why? Because they have what? What they have, what women are wired to like. Status, security, and provisioning. So either way. Check out Netflix's Bridgerton if you want to watch it. You know, pretty much everybody in the cast is beautiful because that's how television works. So check it out if you like. Guys, if you appreciate my content, please post an honest review. It'll only take you five seconds. If you have an Apple product, you can also post a review on Spotify. There's two links in the episode notes. One's for PayPal. Please make a donation up to fray the cost of hosting this on the server. Also, there's a link for the website where you can catch all the podcasts, all the articles, all the recipes I have. And lastly, please subscribe and follow to this feed and my two other feeds, Confessions of Nobi's Child, which deals with food addiction, early childhood trauma, and female holistic health apothecary. Until next time, take care, God bless, and pray. Thank you for listening to the Awakened Man Podcast. Find us on Facebook at the Awakened Man Podcast page. Subscribe and post an honest review on Apple Podcasts and consider donating to our crowdfunding account. And remember, freedom is better than needle. Until next time. Music, courtesy of Nine Inch Nails.